pray together. Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is fulfilled the prophecy of Isaiah. You will be ever hearing, but never understanding. You will be ever seeing, but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears, and they have closed their eyes. Otherwise, they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn, and I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes, because they see, and your ears, because they hear. Help us to fall under the category of those faithful ones who have the eyes to see the truth, and who have the ears to hear the truth of the Word of God here this very morning. I pray, God, we will not grow jaded. I pray, God, that we will not grow cold in the things of God, to the things of God, numb to the things of God. But may we, each and every single day, as we grow older in our physical age, may we mature in our spiritual age, in our growth with you, God. I pray, God, we would hunger after you like a childlike heart, not with a childish attitude, but, Lord, with humility that comes with obedience. I pray as a disciple of Jesus Christ that we look to you this very morning, God. I pray against every attack of the enemy. I pray, God, you would take dominion here in this place. You are our leader. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. We pray against every attack of the enemy, and we surrender all of our crowns, all of our rights, and we lay them at the feet of our Lord Jesus Christ. Every attack of the enemy, we bind it in the name above all names, the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. You are the author and the perfecter of our faith here in this place. So God, come speak to us. Open up our hearts. Open up our ears. Open up our eyes to see the truth of God. Speak to us, God, for we are hungry and we are thirsty and we desire to hear your word feed us lord with your word this very morning lord i am thirsty lord i am thirsty lord your well will never run dry and we wait upon you as watchman waits for the morning as watchman waits for the morning we hide under the shadow, under the shelter of the Almighty God. Lord, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart and the meditation of all the hearts for those who will be listening here this morning, Lord, may it be pleasing, Lord, in your sight, O God. For, Lord, you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Speak to us, for we are desperate for your touch and for the encounter of our Lord Jesus Christ. We give you all the glory and all the honor. Pray all these things in your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. In God's people pray. Amen. amen. And amen. Welcome. It's good to see you. Let's come with hearts of humility. Amen. Uh, with that, let's begin with today's title. Today's title is called Christ-Bound Discipleship. Christ-Bound discipleship. Let's begin with our main scripture for this morning. Let's all turn to Luke chapter 9, verse 57 to 62. Luke 9, verse 57 to 62. And the title says, The Cost of Following Jesus. There are three individuals here 
And as we're reading the scripture and the story, I want you to see who you resonate with the most. Let's begin with verse 57. This is the first man, the first disciple. Verse 57, as they were walking along the road, a man said to him, he's talking to Jesus, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. Verse 59, he said to another man, follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. And the last individual here, verse 61, still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand on the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. Let's start right away with our point number one. Point number one is this. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. And I want to start with what is not. What discipleship is not. It is not a voluntary offer. We are not doing God a favor by us becoming his disciple. Us becoming his disciple is the greatest call, is the greatest accomplishment, greatest thing that you will accomplish in your life. No other accomplishments will compare to you, to the title of you being called a disciple of Jesus Christ. You could have a doctorate, PhD, you could have all the education in the world, you could speak five to seven languages, but if you're not a disciple of Jesus Christ, we have not made it in this life. For being a Christian, to be a Christ-like follower, a disciple of Jesus Christ, is the main thing and the only thing and the only purpose to our life here on this earth. And every other blessing, family, jobs, careers, everything else we have, friendships, relationships, they're all secondary and third and last. But the main and the most important thing is your soul. I want to say it again. It's the soul of that individual. Do you have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. And this is very difficult for Westerners, for those who grew up here in the U.S. where we had all the privilege, where we have the option to choose what we want to wear, what we want to drink, what type of coffee. When we go to restaurants, there's so many different options. But let me just make it clear. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. We follow the terms of what Christ has given us. And that term is what? It is all or nothing. So let's break this passage down into three parts because it could be a little confusing. So I'm going to divide it into three sections. I guess you could call it subpoints. We'll do subpoints, letter A, B, C. So it's A and A. So for example, subpoint A, disciple A. Let's talk about disciple A. And we'll use these individuals as examples for us to better understand the text. Disciple A is found in verse 57 to 58. Verse 57, 58 says, As they are walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. 
What is wrong with this individual? And why does Jesus respond in this manner? Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. What is Jesus teaching this man? He's saying, don't get too overzealous. You don't understand what it takes to be my disciple. Yes, you have the zeal. Yes, you have the passion. But you have no idea what you're getting yourself into. Just like Luke chapter 14, the cause of discipleship. We need to understand what we're getting ourselves into before we get ourselves into it. Jesus is saying, foxes, even foxes, animals, they have places to lay their head and to rest. They, even animals have homes. That's what Jesus is saying. But to be my disciple, your home is not here on this earth, but it is with me, it is with God, it is in heaven. Your earthly and your heavenly reward is in heaven with God. Not here on this earth, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So when I'm talking about disciple A, I'm talking about AKA the overzealous, the not ready, the one who has no idea what he is getting himself into, the clueless, the naive, the passionate. It's not bad to be passionate, but you could be passionate for the wrong things. The one who thinks he can do all things, not through Christ who strengthens him, but I, he who strengthens himself, the self-called, the self-made, the self-centered, the volunteer. I've done a lot of volunteering in my years, especially in my 20s. One particular one that I got heavily involved in was something that we've done before. You guys, some of you have come with me in the past. We've done the North Korea yard sale, and we do that every year. And I remember when I was in seminary, uh, this old grandma lady who I became very close friends with, she came in and she had a heart for North Korea. She would show videos and do a presentation and she would say, this Saturday we're gonna have a yard sale. It's in New York. Anyone who wants to volunteer, please come. All the seeds and the money that we make is going to go and help with the Voice of Martyrs, with missionaries that are in China and North Korea. And it's going to help these individuals to do God's work. And at that time, I had a huge passion, obviously being Korean myself, I had a huge passion for North Korea because when I was in China years ago before seminary, that's where I received the call to go to seminary and where I made my commitment to God near the Tumen River where I was seeing the North Koreans farming and work with refugees and people who are hiding from the government. I was able to have that kind of heart and that passion. And I was actually going to stay in China for maybe over a year before I came to seminary. Even to this day, that is very... It's burning within my heart, and I'm praying for North Korea. But at that time, when she came in and she made this presentation about the yard sale, I made a decision that I'm going to go. And I don't know what prompted me to go, but I went. And I was the only young individual. When I first got there, it was like 4 something in the morning. And I was like, oh, I don't know what I'm getting myself into. It's like all these older people. I mean, when I say older people, I'm talking about 
Chanlong-nim's age, like older, like elder. And, and later, towards the afternoon, the younger people who heard from, obviously she made that announcement, they came and they, and they came to help. It happened to be raining hard that day and all the clothing got wet and it was in the basement. It's not the church that you're familiar with, but in the beginning, we did it in a smaller church. Um, so we would do it in the yard sale and people would come and a lot of people would pay and buy a lot of, you got a bargain, you got to, it's, it's a lot of work. You got to bring all the clothing from the, you're moving tables back and forth. It's, it's crazy exercise. When I'm talking about this disciple, and if I were to compare it to the story, a true disciple will stay from the beginning to the end. And when it came to the end, when it came to the evening time, the people, the young people who were my fellow seminary students, they came from different classes. They came together. And they would only stay for maybe an hour or 30 minutes. And they would come at 3 or 4. But when it came to closing time, obviously we need to clean up, right? You can't just leave it and just leave. And these are older individuals. They need help. So I was, and not to show off or anything, this is just a true story. In my heart, I just stayed through it all, even to the end, until we finished cleaning and until I could do everything that I could. And that's how I got very close with Jong, my good friend who passed away now. When I'm comparing it to the story, to this individual found in verse 57 to 58, when we go to these events, or when we go to missions, or when we claim to follow Jesus Christ, we do it in this manner. You are passionate maybe for just maybe an hour. You are passionate for maybe 30 minutes. You're just there as a volunteer. You're overzealous, though not ready. The one who has no idea what he is getting himself into. The naive, the one who thinks he can do all things, not through Christ who strengthens him, but he who strengthens he or she who strengthens him or herself. But I'm talking about being a true disciple. A true disciple will understand that it takes your whole life, your whole being, it is your whole life that is dedicated to the things of God, to Christ. That without Christ, that without the path of suffering, without understanding, verse 58, and many of us, we only go and attack Christianity with verse 57. When we go to retreats, when we go to events, when we go to praise nights, when we go to mission trips, we say things to God, I will follow you wherever you go. Not understanding that to follow Christ is a path of suffering. How do we know that it's a path of suffering? Even Jesus said it himself in verse 58. Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to rest to lay his head. And we understand even Jesus himself, he was a prophet without honor here on this earth. He lived a life of suffering. Isaiah 53 says he was despised, rejected by humans. We understand this. We've gone over this passage many times. The prophecy of Isaiah 53 says he was a man of suffering and familiar with pain. That Jesus, he had no beauty or majesty for us, for humans to be attracted to him. 
that he grew up like a root out of a dry ground. Can you grow plants in a dry ground with no water? No. But that is the type of environment and the situation that Jesus grew up in. He was not born out of royalty, even though he was of royalty. He was born in a manger with animals, with the lowly shepherds. Took our pain and bore our suffering, stricken and afflicted. The scripture tells us he was pierced and crushed for our iniquities and transgressions, oppressed and afflicted, and by his wounds we are healed. What this disciple A felt to understand that we cannot allow our passion to go ahead of our call. Passion is a good thing, but your passion can blind you. You can say all you want, I can do all things, but through whose strength? Is it through your strength or is it through Christ's strength? Where you stand matters, and I pray that we will stand upon the ladder. It is through the strength that comes from Christ and Christ alone. That day at the yard sale, it was a joy to be there. Yes, it was difficult. And then eventually, I would bring the youth group with a different church that I was with. And then eventually, you guys would later join to those events. Those events were fun, right? <laughs> yeah, it was fun. It's a lot of work, but in the end, we make thousands and thousands and thousands with donations, and that money would help with the missionary work here in North Korea. And that's how we got involved with Nursing Home, the group that worked with her when we were at the funeral, because she used to do the nursing home, and they couldn't find a pastor to do it every, every month, and that's why we ended up doing it. They asked after she passed away. And I said, of course. And now we've been doing it for how many years now? Many years now. A disciple goes from the beginning to the end, to the middle, and to the end until we take our final breath here on this earth. Amen? We need to understand that to be a disciple is a path of suffering. You have to understand that. You need to embrace suffering. And you need to accept that. That's disciple A. The overzealous, the not ready, the self-called, the self-made, the self-centered, the volunteer. Which one are you? Are you just a volunteer or are you part of the family? A volunteer can leave anytime, but we're there to finish the work that God has called us to do. Amen? Finish the work as a disciple. Disciple A. Letter B, disciple B. Reference to this guy is found in verse 59 to 60. It says, he said to another man, follow me. This is Jesus calling the man. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, let the dead bury their own dead. But you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. A.K.A. This individual is the halfway Christian, the distracted Christian, the everything first and Christ the second Christian. Remember the title that we did? Was it last week or two weeks ago? Christ first and grace second, I believe it was two weeks ago. It's complete opposite. Everything else is first and Christ is second and last. That type of Christian. 
the excuse-making Christian, the one who's in a halfway Christian, the law-only-abiding Christian. Jesus tells us, man, to follow me, but what is his response? Lord, first let me go and bury my father. But what does Jesus say? Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus is not teaching this individual. He's not teaching us to neglect our family responsibilities. What is he teaching us? When we are dead on this earth, there's nothing that we can do. And all Asians, we come from culture where we come and we honor the, our ancestors. We visit the gravesite. We pay them respect. Family gather. We bring food for them. But in Christ, we do not do that. We cut it in Jesus' name. Let the dead bury the dead. But you, the living, for it's about the living. You go ahead and proclaim the kingdom of God. We're called to proclaim the kingdom of God. We're not called to make excuses. We're called to follow him. When Jesus says, follow me, we need to say, yes. Everything else is second. God, you are first. No excuses, no halfway, God. I'm not distracted with my dead family. I'm not a halfway Christian, God. You are first, and everything else is second. I will not make excuses, God. I will follow you all the way. This individual is a law-only abiding Christian, not grace-abiding Christian. Disciple C, letter C, found in verse 61 to 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, no one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God, again, Jesus is not teaching us to neglect our family, but he's saying you need to cut your old life in order for you to have a new life. You need to choose me first and family second. This individual is very similar to the first disciple. He is a.k.a. the go-getter, the one who says, Yes, I will follow you. Yes, but let me first do what I have to do first. The self-made Christian, the do-it-all-on-my-own-terms Christian. He is an individual that says, yes, I will follow you, but let me do it on my own terms. For, for example, when you hear the gospel, a Christian will respond, an individual will respond in two ways. You will say, yes, now, and you will say, yes, later. But that yes later is something that is, what is that thing that you see in the desert? A mirage? And it's not real. You think it's real. You think it's there. You think it's going to happen, but it is not going to happen. If you cannot say yes now in the midst of your situation, you will most likely never say yes later. And this individual was doing the same exact thing. He's saying, I will follow you, but let me first finish school. But let me first finish this part, this portion of my study to get ready for my career. Yes, I will follow you, but there's always a but. And when there's always a but, everything you say before that gets canceled. There is no but. It is yes and yes 
and yes, and yes, and yes, and yes, period, and that's it. No more, no less. We must follow Jesus, not on our own terms, just like the point, point number one. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. We must follow Jesus, not on my own terms, but based on the initial call of God. Why? I want to remind you here today, men and women of God who are sitting here listening. The call of God is so precious. Please don't take that for granted. The call of God is so precious. No other things, no other accomplishments can compare to the call of God, the call that God has placed in your life. If there is no call of God in your life, we are dead. You're just living this life as animals, and then you're gone, and that is it. The purpose to your life is to fulfill the call of God in your life. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. Let me start with what's not. It's not with my own terms, but it is based on the terms of God, his call, his initial call in your life. So point number one, discipleship is not bound to my own terms. Point number two, discipleship is bound to Christ, is bound to him. In the book, The Cause of Discipleship, quoting here, Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. I'll say it again. Christianity without the living Christ is inevitably Christianity without discipleship. And Christianity without discipleship is always Christianity without Christ. To be a disciple, it means to have Christ. To have Christ, it means to be his disciple. You cannot have one without the other. It comes together. It is a full package, meaning Christ is. So point letter A, A, B, C, Christ is. A, my mediator. B, my savior. C, my advocate. I'm not going to linger on this long because you all know the truth. You all know this. But the, for the sake of the completion of this message, to continue on with point number one, discipleship is not bound to my own terms. Discipleship is bound to Christ. We need to understand Christ quickly is my mediator, my savior, my advocate, and you need to be within that path, within that realm of the call of God, within that path that God has called you to be. You need to say to yourself every single day, remind yourself every single day with confidence, with courage, saying, my mediator, my savior, my advocate, Jesus is my savior. He is my advocate, and he is my mediator. Because without Christ's backing, we are all doomed for all of eternity. Discipleship is bound to Christ and to Christ alone. If you look at the title, there's a box within the title. We need to stay within that box. That box is where we stay safe. And when I say safe, I'm talking about our soul is intact. Yes, it will be a path of suffering. Yes, it is a narrow path, narrow road. But you need to stay within his bound, his boundary. It's like those who have phones with iPhones with the panorama setting. You know how you do this and then you got to keep it steady. 
You gotta stay within that bound. If you go up and then later it's like a person has like four faces, four heads. You gotta stay within the bound. All other dabble is out of bounds. Discipleship must be bound in Jesus Christ. It is a path of suffering, but it is a path of blessing. Amen and amen. And quoting here, continuing on in the book, discipleship without Jesus Christ is a way of our own choosing. It may be the ideal way. It may even lead to martyrdom. But it is devoid of all promise. Jesus was certainly rejected. We are his disciple because he has called us. It wasn't because of my choice or my choosing, but it was him. It begins with him, it continues on with him, and it ends in him. Again, Jesus Christ is my mediator, my savior, my advocate. Discipleship is bound to Christ. And our last point here, point number three. Discipleship is an instant yes to Christ. Instant yes. Instant action, instant obedience. Who was the name of the character that we spoke about a few weeks ago? The tax collector. Do you guys remember his name? Levi Matthew. Yeah, yeah, Levi Matthew. Let me just talk about him just real quick as a reference in Luke 5, 27 to 28. And this is what we should all do, like Levi, a.k.a. Matthew. After this, Jesus went out and saw a tax collector by the name of Levi sitting at his tax booth. Follow me, Jesus said to him. And Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. A few chapters later in Luke 9, What's up with these individuals? They say, I will follow you wherever you go. Keep in mind in verse 57, there's nothing wrong with this guy saying, I will follow you wherever you go. But keep in mind that it was not Christ that called them, but he decided to follow Christ. It's the call that is given first from Christ, and then we respond out of grace out of faith, out of the call that God has placed in your life. The call of God begins with him and ends with him. Jesus tells Levi, follow me. And what does Levi do? Because he knows that he is the king, the Messiah, the Lord. Levi got up like the prodigal song. Get up. Take action. Left everything and followed there's no mention of, oh, let me first go do this with my family. Oh, let me go do this first, bury the dead. Oh, let me. Or overzealous, overconfused, overpassionate. I can do all things through my strength that strengthens me. I will follow you with arrogance. But with humility, you need to understand that there's a call of God in our lives. And it's our job to respond to him in faith and in truth 
and in humility. The three men mentioned in Luke 9, here, they all chose themselves. They put themselves first before truly choosing Christ first. In everything and all things, all of us as Christians, as human beings, you must choose his way. You must choose and follow and obey Christ first, no matter what. These individuals, they were overzealous. They did not know what they were getting themselves into. They thought the life of a Christian was a cakewalk. Oh, how wrong they were. They probably saw cakewalk type of teaching. Thought that, oh, a path of blessing. Yes, I want that. Material blessings. Yes, I want that. Pastor up there with everything good, everything cool, hip. I want that. That's what I want. It should be a cakewalk. Jesus is teaching them all how wrong you are. It is the call of God that is the most important thing in your life. But these individuals, they were interested in other things first. Again, Jesus is not teaching us to neglect family, family obligations. For his commandment teaches us to honor our parents, right? By saying, choose me first. Don't make excuses. Follow me wholeheartedly. Jesus is teaching these individuals, check your heart. What is the true motive of your heart? And I want to ask you, what is the motive of your heart that you are here this morning? Why are you here? What is your reason for being here in this place? Check your heart. What is the motive of your heart that you come to church and you worship him and you pray to Christ? May we, like David, like David, again, not like Mike, right? Everybody wants to be like Jordan, not like Mike. You guys ever watched that movie, Like Mike? Okay, that's where it comes from. But like David, when I'm talking about David, I'm talking about the king, Israel's first official king. Not Saul, but David, where he declared in Psalm 139, one of my favorite psalms, where he says, Search me, God, and know my heart. Test me, and know my anxious thoughts. You need to ask God to search your heart. You need to ask God to test your heart. For he knows all of your thoughts. He knows your inner being. And it goes on in Psalm 26, verse 1 through 12. Well, the focus is verse 2, but let me go ahead and read the whole thing, starting from verse 1. David says, Vindicate me, Lord, for I have led a blameless life. I have trusted in the Lord and have not faltered. Test me, Lord, and try me. Examine my heart and my mind. For I have always been mindful of your unfailing love and have lived in reliance on your faithfulness. I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I'll pour the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. I wash my hands in innocence and go about your altar, Lord, proclaiming aloud your praise and telling of all your wonderful deeds. Lord, I love the house where you live, the place where your glory dwells. Do not take away my soul along with sinners, my life with those who are bloodthirsty, in whose hands are wicked schemes, whose right hands are full of bribes. 
I lead a blameless life. Deliver me and be merciful to me. My feet stand on level ground in the great congregation. I will praise the Lord. Again, point number three, discipleship is an instant yes to Christ. So point A, yes now. B, yes today. C, yes forevermore. Yes when? Yes now. Yes today. Yes forevermore. Every single day is yes in our obedience to our living God. Meaning as Christians, we must be ready to follow now. Not tomorrow, not later, not when it's convenient, but now. For those who say later, like the second disciple, later, like the third disciple, later, it's a mirage. It's not real. It's not gonna happen. If you don't follow him today, most likely you will not do it later. There's a question that asks, what happens to those who have never heard the gospel and they die, like in a rural area or in a village somewhere who have never heard the gospel? The answer is simple. God is sovereign. God is the one who knows everything, but we know his commandments to preach the good news to the ends of the earth, and we do the best we can to preach the good news. But understand this, even those who hear the gospel, even in America, religion is free. We preach the gospel all the time. People come to church all the time. But how many in percentage-wise, statistic-wise, how many of them truly follow Christ, even in a number of hundred, how many are truly, true disciples of Jesus Christ? I pray that you will follow him with all that you have, with everything you have, and understand the time, the season that you're in. Salvation starts today, amen? Not tomorrow, not later. Yes now, yes today, and yes forevermore. If it is not yes now, if it's not yes today, it will be no forever. And if it's no forever, we are doomed for all of eternity away from God. So just like Luke 5 with Levi, a.k.a. the Matthew, I pray that we will respond in a manner where we will get up, leave everything, and follow Christ. Amen. And amen. I'm closing with this. Total dedication. Can we turn to our neighbor and say total, total. Dedication. dedication? Can we turn to our neighbor once again and say total, total. Commitment. commitment? Total commitment. Total dedication. Not halfway commitment. Just like there are no such thing as halfway crooks. There's no such thing as a halfway disciple in Jesus Christ. We cannot be selective like a buffet in our waiting and in our wanting to follow Jesus Christ. Some of you, God has already placed a call long before you were even born. He has called you, but we've been walking in our own path. We've been like these three disciples 
overzealous, over excuse making. Christ, second, everything else is first. No wonder our faith is all over the place, like roller coaster, up and down. But for those who are totally dedicated, for those who are totally committed, yes, you will fall here and there. Of course you will fall. I fall every single day. I fall all the time. All the time I fall. But God doesn't save me and he doesn't walk with me based on my merits, but he walks with me and I walk with him based on his costly grace. And it's because of his grace that I am able to call myself his disciple, a disciple, a true disciple of Jesus Christ. For God has placed within me a passion that none of you will ever take away. None of you will ever understand what it takes, what it's like to lead a church, to be a pastor, to be a pastor in this generation. It is full of ups and downs. There's so many attacks. Just like being a Christian is not an easy walk. It is not a cake walk. But you cannot allow anyone to get in the way of your walk in the race that Christ has placed a call in your life. You need to be passionate for the things of God no matter what. That means you need to be willing to give up everything, things that you cherish the most, anything, any relationship, any family, you need to give it all for Him, for it is Christ first and everything else is second. Never say, I'll follow Him when, when I am ready. That when is now. That when is today. That when is forevermore. Bonhoeffer says this, if you will follow Jesus, we must take certain definite steps. The first step which follows the call cuts the disciple off from his previous existence. The call to follow at once produces a new situation. To stay in the old situation makes discipleship impossible. You cannot stay in the old in order for you to embrace the new. It says in Psalm, 60, Psalm 26, verse 4 through 5, what we just read, I do not sit with the deceitful, nor do I associate with hypocrites. I abhor the assembly of evildoers and refuse to sit with the wicked. You cannot live the same way. You cannot live in the old life that you used to live. You cannot only hang out with non-Christians, marriage, or date non-Christians. You're playing with fire. You need to be with those have the same heart and mind and be in a community of believers you need to understand that yes you are warriors in Christ you need to accept the cross as much as you accept the crown but many of Christians today are just they just want the crown but they don't accept the cross the cross is a path of suffering as a child of God as a man and woman of God you need to be willing to undergo through suffering you need to accept the cross and then you will accept the crown you cannot have one without the other without the cross there is no crown do you have ears to hear today are you hearing are you listening right now do you have eyes to see are you seeing with spiritual eyes or are you blinded by your pride and your arrogance, just like these three disciples, quote-unquote disciples? Do you see? I pray that you will see deep roots, church. 
Though seeing, they do not see. Though hearing, they do not hear or understand. In them is filled the prophecy of Isaiah. You'll be ever hearing but never understanding. You'll be ever seeing but never perceiving. For this people's heart has become calloused. They hardly hear with their ears. They have closed their eyes, otherwise they might see with their eyes, hear with their ears, understand with their hearts, and turn would heal them. I would heal them. But blessed are your eyes because they see, and your ears because they hear. Just goes on, anyone, when anyone hears the message about the kingdom and does not understand it, The evil one comes and snatches away what was sown in their heart. This is the seed sown along the path. If you look at the title, Stay Within the Path, Christ-bound discipleship. The seed falling on rocky ground refers to someone who hears the word and at once receives it with joy. But since they have no root, they last only a short time when trouble or persecution comes because of the word they quickly fall away the seed falling among the thorns refers to someone who hears the word but the worries of this life and the deceitfulness of wealth choke the word making it unfruitful but the seed falling on good soil refers to someone who hears the word and understands it this is the one who produces a crop yielding 160 or 30 times what was sown embrace the call of a Christ bound discipleship Some of you, you know too much. You grew up in church. You have grown proud and arrogant. You have heard every type of message. You have sang every song. You've seen it all. You've been to many retreats. You've been on mission trips. You have grown proud. You grew up in church. And you have grown cold and numb to the things of God. You have lost the way because you have trusted in yourselves. You have taken off your gaze away from Christ. Follow the call. Give up your old existence to follow and to be of a new creation. The call of God is not a vague, abstract call. Because I remind you guys every week, it is the absolute authority of God and it's the absolute authority of your life. Go from abstract, because Rodney loves abstract art, what's going on I don't understand but Christ is very clear he is absolute he makes a way where there is no way it's all or nothing that's it all or nothing what will you give here today this very morning will you give your all or will you give your some There is no category of some because some falls into nothing. It rhymes down to nothing. There's only one. It is all. All doesn't mean perfection. All means those who are willing. Are you willing? Will you choose Christ first and everything else second? If you can do that, then you can call yourself a true disciple. Of Jesus Christ if you cannot do that don't call yourself a disciple of Jesus Christ
for those who came before us have given everything. They have sacrificed all and have shown us a way of what it means to be a disciple, a Christian. Do not allow the world dictate your faith and your walk with the Lord. Turn to Him. Look to Him. Allow the Lord to walk with you and guide you every step of the way. Amen. And amen. Christ-bound discipleship. Amen. And amen. Originally, I wanted to do Give Me Jesus, but now that we're here with only you, I think it fits perfectly also. So let's invite the priest team to please come up on stage. And let's keep that atmosphere going. Uh, let's not get distracted by anything else. But we're going to focus on verse 1 and verse 2. And at the end, all together, we're going to sing the chorus. But we're going to focus on verse 1 and verse 2, where the words say, Take my heart, I'll lay it down at the feet of you who is crowned. Take my life, I'm letting go of everything. I lift it up to you who's thrown. Take my fret, take my fear, all I have, I'm leaving here. Be all my hopes, be all my dreams. You're my delight and be my everything. May that be your prayer this very morning. May that be your worship this very morning. Just like Levi in Luke chapter 5, Matthew. Let us get up, leave everything, and follow him. May we not be like these disciples in Luke 9, where they say, I will follow you, but, but, but. Whenever there's a but, there is no I will follow you. It devoids all that word, that desire, that passion. I will follow you. There's no such thing as a halfway disciple. It is all or nothing. When you're ready, you can pray. You're free to do what you want. But when you're ready, you can get up and sing together. But worship Him in spirit and in truth. Let's sing together.
Remember this, man and woman of God, and listen to me carefully. At the end of this life, at the end of this breath, at the end of this one life that we have, it's just us, it's just me before the living God in the judgment seat. It's just only you and me here now. Nothing else matters. What matters is your soul, is your relationship and your commitment to Him and Him alone. Remember this right now. It is yes now. It is yes today. And it is yes forevermore. If you cannot say yes now, you will never say yes later. It is a mirage. Don't be fixated on what you can be or what you could do or what you want to do. But focus right now in the moment, right now. It is a decision that you need to make. And it is the greatest and the most single most important decision you will make for all of your life and for all of eternity. If you cannot make this decision right, if you cannot make the right decision right now, then everything else is all for nothing. Without Christ in our life, everything else is for nothing. Christ is my number one. Christ must be your number one. He must be your all or he must be your nothing. So as we sing this again, it's just you and me here now. Only you and me here now. May you understand the urgency and the time and the season. It is now. Say yes now. Say yes today for yes forevermore. Let's sing together. Says you and me here now. Says you and me here now. our worship Search me, know me, test me, and know my anxious thoughts. Examine my heart and my mind. Test me, Lord, and try me. Lord, may my desire to follow you may be pure in your sight, O God. Let it not be skewed by other intentions or excuses, 
May I not go ahead of the cross, but may I always be before the cross. Cross Christ in front of me, and I will follow you. For God, you are my leader. And as Levi, as he responded to the call of follow me, and that call is placed on every human being who is born on this earth. May we, as Levi, Matthew, let us respond with getting up, leaving everything, and following you with our actions. Discipleship is an instant yes to Christ. Discipleship is not bound to my own terms. Discipleship is bound to Christ and to Christ alone. Discipleship is an instant yes to Christ. Thank you, God, that you remind us each and every week the urgency to be able to follow you wholeheartedly. Thank you, God, for delivering your word once again, the truth of your word, what it means to be your disciple. May we, in response to the call of follow me, may our response today be, can we all repeat together with our right hand to the left side of our chest, our heart, representing our life with point. So point letter A, B, and C. Let's all say it together in faith. Ready? One, two, three. Yes now. Yes today. Yes forevermore. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. We pray all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. amen. And amen. Before we do our offering prayer, uh, as our offering song, let's sing, Give Me Jesus, Give Me Jesus. Uh, let's just do the chorus and then just end it, okay? Let's just do verse one and then chorus, 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 and then you end it. In the morning, when I rise.
Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time of offering. We declare today we are able to give freely with a joy in our heart. For it is you that have given us everything, and that everything is one thing, and is our relationship that is found in Jesus Christ. Lord, I want you, and I need you, and I love you. You're my king, you're my Lord, you're my master, you're my savior. You paid a debt for me that I could never pay, repay back in my own way. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the life that was sacrificed. Life for our life. For giving up your life for the life, the lives of many. Thank you, God, that we can look at the cross not just as a symbol of suffering and persecution, but Lord, we see it as a symbol of hope. For it is through the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is dying to our old self where we live. To live is Christ and to die is gain. May you use the offering to further your kingdom to do the good work that you have called us to do here on this temporary earth. We give you all the glory and all the honor. May the name of the Lord be praised for all these things. In your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. And God's people pray. Amen. And amen. So I'll stand to our feet, all you're standing, to our last song, The Path of Life in Jesus. Let's sing together. together may the Lord bless you and keep you 
And may the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. And now may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip us with everything good in doing his will, his work. And may he continue to work within us what is pleasing in his sight through his one and only son, Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. And as God's people, we pray. Amen and amen.